Hello there, my friends, and welcome to a very different episode 67 of Geezers of Gear. Uh, This is Christmas week, and um, therefore, I've lost my guest host. He is vacationing on Christmas week, and I am here all by myself. So today we're changing it up a little bit, and what I really want to do is show gratitude today um, more than anything. So I'm really, I'm not bringing on any guests. So if you're looking for a guest with some incredible stories, uh, you're going to hear some stories, but they're going to come from me. And I may even share some of the guest stories that we talked about over uh, the past year. But really what I want to do is I want to be grateful and I want to do a quick recap of what happened on Geezers of Gear in 2019. And so very first and foremost, normally this is where we insert a sponsor's message. And um, instead, excuse me, this time, this episode, we're going to talk about all of our sponsors, the folks who really helped us put this show on the map last year and, um, you know, just basically paid our bills. And so doing a podcast is not incredibly expensive. It's not like you know, maybe a broadcast radio show or a satellite show or something like that. Our studios are very makeshift home studios. The gear is expensive, but it's not outrageous. Um, The hardest part really is traveling to trade shows and uh, taking ourselves out of our day-to-day lives of selling gear, you know, the stuff that really pays the bills, and um, taking the several hours per week that it takes to record a podcast, but then also several hours to talk with uh, prospective guests, several hours to talk with prospective um, sponsors. And so, you know, this is this is not a full-time job, but it's certainly something that's a little more complicated and uh, time-consuming than one might think. And especially for yours truly, because believe it or not, for those of you who don't know, I am not only the host of Geezers of Gear, but I am also the person who does all of the producing, uh, most of the negotiating, and etc. So Henry, I like to call the diva co-host because Henry just shows up and records the episodes and uh, I get to do all the fun stuff behind the scenes. So Thank you, Henry, for that. I appreciate it very much. And, you know, going with that theme, Henry is on vacation somewhere today while I am sitting here talking with you. So honestly, I'd rather be doing this. So speaking of our sponsors, starting uh, from the top in no particular order, we have had PRG for about half of this year and we expect to get them back in 2020. They wanted to take a break so that it didn't look like we were biased towards them. We were talking about a lot of PRG products and stuff, and that was not because they were giving us money, but because we were interested in those products and we continue to talk about them even though they're still, or they're not giving us money today. So PRG and um, especially John Wiseman, who is, uh, as you all know, an account exec at PRG. I'm sure his title is much bigger than account exec. 
but um, we're very grateful to PRG for helping us uh, get this show on the road, providing us with guests, providing us with topics, etc. Um, I would say that uh, Elation would come next on this list. And Elation, by way of our friend Eric Loader, has been just a phenomenal supporter of this show, both financially and spiritually and um, also just uh, in fact checking Henry's or Henry Eric is always throwing facts in over the fence when we can't come up with an answer or we're a little bit unknown on um, a topic or whatever you can almost hear Eric yelling uh, over the phone or over the the computer telling me the answer to a question and we appreciate Eric Annihilation very much for everything they've done for us this year and we hope that they will continue to support the show uh, beyond 2020. They've already really committed to 2020 which is amazing but um, even beyond 2020 we hope to uh, be able to count on Elation as a partner and sponsor in Geezers of Gear. Uh, Act Lighting, right up there with Elation Act, came to us very early on. Actually, I think it was maybe episode four or five when um, I received a call from uh, from Ben at Act, just saying, Marcel, I love what you're doing. I love the topics. You know, a couple gear geeks or industry geeks sitting around talking about gear and, and stories and designers and I love the industry. You guys love the industry. I love to listen to you talk about it. Love what you're doing. Love to support you. And um, Act Lighting have been a sponsor ever since. And again, have also provided us with topics, with guests, um, and just, you know, support, support, support. So we appreciate Ben. We appreciate Act very much. Um, Roe. So Roe Visual we all know is a very top supplier of um, LED video panels, LED floors, etc. But um, I received a message, I believe Frank Montero was at the Plaza show and sent me a message saying, I really love your podcast. I'd like to get involved. What can we do? And next thing you know, Roe are one of our sponsors. We appreciate Roe very much. Um, you know, we always wanted to make sure that we were not a lighting only podcast and therefore we bring on a lot of audio guests. Um, we bring on video guests. We have a video sponsor, which is amazing. And so, Frank, we appreciate you. We appreciate Row Visual very much. Um, Harmon and Martin. Martin Professional, I think those who know me know that I have a past there. That is really where I began my uh, the bigger part of my career was at Martin and Trackman, the distributor, the U.S. distributor for Martin. And I spent a lot of great years there. I think I was very much synonymous with the brand in those early days and um, became sort of part of the foundation of, of Martin becoming a professional company. So I was very proud of my, my dealings, my time at Martin. And Martin will always sort of be a part of my DNA in some weird, geeky way. So um, we appreciate Martin and Harmon very much. Um, Frank, the, uh, I believe, VP of Marketing for Harmon approached us and said, hey, I've got some ideas. How would this work? How would this work? And lo and behold, they became a sponsor of the show. They brought us out to LDI to record the show from their booth, which is something we'd never done before. And it actually worked out to be wildly successful and a lot of fun as well and produce some really cool content. So um, we appreciate Frank. We appreciate Greg Jones over at Martin as well. 
and we thank you for sponsoring. And of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention the big ticket sponsor, the company that kind of makes it all happen for us and really pays the bills is Gearsource. So Gearsource.com, obviously uh, a big supplier and um, seller of your used gear. And so we appreciate all of the support that people have given us. Uh, having geezers of gear certainly has increased gear sources business has opened up doors for gear source and has uh, provided even more um, I would say exposure to the company uh, maybe with people in countries all over the world who have not otherwise been exposed to gear source and if you've ever seen any of our Facebook posts showing where we are uh, being listened to where geezers is being listened to it is it blows me away i mean we've got listeners in countries that i've barely even heard of and in places all over the world where i'm just thinking why is someone in croatia listening to geezers of gear right now that's incredible i love it and you know really it's the magic of the internet and and uh, just the exposure that something like a podcast can can bring to a company and to people and to a, a, a podcast itself and and you know it just kind of brings everybody together so it's pretty cool and you know of course the reason that we get so many uh, great reviews and so many good responses and so many people listening to each of our episodes isn't because of me I'd love to think it is, but it's not. It's not even because of Henry, believe it or not. And Henry, I apologize for saying that, but it's true. It's not your fault. And it's not because of our sponsors. As much as we love our sponsors, and they are great brands unto themselves. They're great people. They all have great personalities, but that's not why listeners are coming here. Listeners are coming because of our guests and because of our stories and because of the topics, the content that we're putting out there. So, um, that is the probably the one thing and the group of people and businesses that I'm most appreciative and most grateful for are the guests on our show. You're not being paid to come on our show. You are not getting shares in the company. You're not getting any uh, financial benefits or, or anything else. You certainly are getting exposure as we are. And, um, I believe that that's why some people come on, but I think for the most part, people are coming on Geezers of Gear because they want to tell their story, because they love the sort of platform to be able to talk to their friends in the industry and tell these stories and share these stories. And, you know, I, I mention it often, but we are stopped in trade shows in the aisles just telling us sort of, you know, hey, this really is a very important thing that you're doing. You are encapsulating these stories and, and saving them forever and putting them in a vault so that people can listen to stories long after some of these guests and even the hosts are gone. And so um, hopefully somebody will continue to pay the hosting bills for our podcast once I die. And therefore it will live on in perpetuity and these stories will continue. So that is something that I'm most grateful for. And in sticking with that, I actually want to go through every single episode that we've done this year. And so for those who are paying attention, you will remember that our very first episode was January 13th of this year. This show has been on less than a year, which blows me away because it feels like we've been doing it for five years now with the amount of people and the, the level and, and depth of people and stories and, 
uh, just the amount of content that we've put out in one year blows me away. 66 episodes. This is the 67th, I believe, or is this number 68? I better take a quick look here. We are on episode number 67 today. So, um, you know, we've put out 66 episodes in less than a year. And by the time we get to a full year, it'll probably be about 70 episodes, 68, 69, yeah, probably 70. So the very first episode, we had no idea what we were doing. It was called Geezers of Gear Intro Episode 1. And the, uh, the details said, two entertainment production industry veterans discuss why we're doing a podcast, where we came from, the beginning of Gear Source, and fun stuff about the industry. Again, at that point, January 23rd of 2019, we had no idea what we were going to become. We, at the time, and I explain this to people all the time, we were the geezers. So the two entertainment veterans, myself and Henry Konas, we were the geezers. And what ended up happening is over three, four, five episodes, that shifted and our guests became the geezers. And so that's when everything changed for us. And we realized we were not here to talk and to let people listen to us. We were here to provide a platform where we could give access to stories of the real geezers, the people who are, you know, out there doing this and who are doing amazing things and have incredible stories of artists that may not even be with us anymore, um, touring with them or doing shows with them, etc. So that's where it all began was episode one on January 23rd. A few days later, we did excuse me, something that we called the evolution of automated lighting part one, where we started talking about where automated lighting came from and how it has evolved over time. Um, That continued on a couple of days later on episode three, uh, which was the evolution of automated lighting continued. Then we went into something that was actually ended up being quite a shocking episode, which was our top three concerts. It was Henry and I talking about our top three concerts. And as I recall, mine were like Michael Jackson in Prague, where I was, and it was one of the coolest experiences of my showbiz life. And um, another was Roger Waters' The Wall. The first time I saw that, I was just completely floored and blown away. Henry comes out with like poison and I think probably an Aussie show, if I remember correctly. Um, it was, it was really a, an interesting list because, you know, the fact that poison made anybody's top concerts list kind of shocked me. And, uh, that just explains so much about Henry. You know, Henry wears a big silver cross. He's a religious guy, but he's also a huge Aussie fan. And I, I'm not sure if he wears the cross for their religion or to, uh, you know, show love to Aussie, but, um, but anyways, we talked about our top three concerts, why they were our top three concerts, etc. It was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was hilarious again, cause I had no, uh, idea what Henry's list was going to be. So when he told me it was, uh, it was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, the next episode was now in February. It was geezers of gear, top gear. And we just talked about some of the, um, leading stuff, especially on gear source. So the stuff that people are looking for the most, the stuff that we're selling the most of the most, uh, traffic on our site, etc. So we were actually talking about what was, 
um, you know, really, really great gear that if you've got some and you've been thinking about selling it now might be a good time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, we went on in February, February 13th to talk with our very first ever guest. And I don't even know if Andrew knows that he was our first ever guest, but Andrew Gumper became our first guest on Geezers of Gear. And we brought him on to talk about the Super Saturday mega structures thing that he did at Super Bowl where uh, Foo Fighters and other bands uh, performed. And it was just a really, really cool setup. And we brought him on to talk about that, just, you know, what it was, the massive undertaking that it became. Um, the next episode february 22nd of this year we had on the guy who wrote recorded and uh performed the song that is our uh title our our intro and our outro track um which is a song called sweet thing by a, a band out of canada called gatto and the founder of that band singer bass player is greg godovitz who happens to be a good friend of mine and that episode was called Gatto, the Geezer of Rock. And um, it did really, really well in Canada where Gatto was uh, uh, and remains a rock star today. But in the U.S., I think people just went, huh? <laughs> Who is this guy that I'm listening to? Um, an amazing guy. Gatto had his own radio show. He's a, kind of a rock historian. Uh, he's in his mid-60s and really huge Beatles fan, knows everything about the Beatles, knows everything about Canadian music culture, music history. Um, superb guy to sit and drink a bottle of wine with and just listen to his stories. So that was a fun episode. If you haven't heard it and you have any interest, go back and listen to it. It's it's a really, really great episode. I love doing it, and I have gone back recently and listened to it again. Mokri, Robert Mokri, everyone knows, has a company called Light Parts, uh, was part of the sort of early days of high-end systems, 30 years in the automated lighting business, loads of experience, very knowledgeable guy, good guitar player. Um, so Robert Mokri came on in March as, uh, you know, a geezer to really talk about gear, talk about music, talk about all kinds of things. Then... Um, Real big episode, March 7th, was Tim Brennan, and Tim is with PRG. Tim's family uh, comes from the lighting business, was in Broadway lighting, and um, his father, you know, huge uh, Broadway lighting guy. They moved to Vegas and started Cinema Services in Las Vegas, where Tim kind of took the business over. The business ultimately sold to uh, PRG in I guess in the late nineties and, um, Tim stayed on, uh, well, actually, no, he went to work with Martin and some other companies, but then ended up at PRG ultimately for, you know, a rather lengthy career. And he remains there today. So Tim's a great guy with some unbelievable stories about not only about the sort of foundation of the lighting industry in Vegas, which he tells great stories of, but also just some of the Broadway stories and some stories about his dad with, with Elvis uh, in Vegas and just some, some really cool stuff. We had Don Chan who runs Gear Source Asia, just kind of talking about some of the differences between the Asian markets and the, the business in Asia versus over here, especially as it relates to used gear, where in some cultures used gear is taboo still. Uh, there are very, very big countries like India, for example, where you are not allowed, you're not supposed to. Rules keep you from importing used gear into India. And 
it sounds crazy, but there's actually sort of a good foundational idea behind it, which is we don't want to become the garbage dump for the rest of the year or, or the rest of the world. And so um, I understand it, but, you know, we've kind of moved on. And especially in certain industries like ours, where gear has, you know, a fairly lengthy lifespan, but for one company, they may only need it for six months and then they want to get rid of it. And that's where we come in and that's where gear moves. So, you know, we're still able to move gear into India, but it just goes through a lot more complicated process than just shipping it directly there. Um, Paul Dexter. So... Paul uh, is a guy who's been around the lighting business for a very long time, worked with Dio, with Ozzy, uh, Ario Speedwagon for many years. And um, so Paul tells some really great stories, one of which I remember clearly him talking about him making his first lighting rig out of pineapple cans. And they were square par cans that he made from pineapple cans. And uh, so, yeah, Paul has some really great stories. Paul has also been a real big driver of this um, uh, holographic technology where uh, artists, especially Dio, are going out with a hologram of the artist who's no longer with us. And so basically you're seeing a Dio show where Dio is up there performing as a hologram and uh, really, really cool technology. If you've never seen any of that stuff, there's a few of those things going on these days. Um, our to date biggest episode yet was March 27th, John Wiseman, 40 years of rock and roll touring. And um, honestly, it's our top episode for a number of reasons, not just because John is such a, a you know, relatively famous in our industry, but a polarizing guy uh, I was actually talking to John about this the other day. People like John and, and sometimes myself, we're not people that you just have casual relationships with. It's usually I hate him or I love him. And uh, I happen to be a big fan of John. We're very good friends, but um, he's certainly got some enemies as well. And the thing about John on this episode that I like to think made it so popular was, you know, his honesty. And John will tell a story exactly as it happened. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't, you know, take any of the language out of it. Um, he really tells the whole story. And so maybe that's why I guess some people are a little irked by that, perhaps, but um, because he is quite blunt and he will walk up and say exactly what's on his mind. And he was also incredibly honest in that he talked about uh, sobriety and talked about addiction and talked about what it did to his life and told some funny stories about addiction, but told about almost dying and, uh, you know, having to borrow money from his family in order to go to rehab and save his life, which it literally saved his life. And, you know, thankfully, John is living a great life today because of it and looks back at, at that time as being, you know, the turning point in his life and all of those things. So just a fantastic episode. I can't tell you enough if you haven't listened to that episode, which uh, back then we didn't use episode numbers. So I'm guessing it's around number nine or 10, um, maybe 11. Um, followed up with Mark Brickman. Mark Brickman was a great episode. Fantastic stories, some of which we had to cut out, but most of which we left in. And um, Mark is just an incredibly talented guy. He's, he's an amazing guy to listen to tell a story. Uh, I learned a lot on this episode of his history that I didn't know and just some of the things that he's working on today as well. So again, 
great episode. Go back and hear it. <clears throat> Somebody that both Henry and I love in the industry, and and I think a lot of people obviously do, is David Milley. Um, David had a very successful company that he ultimately sold to Four Wall. And then unlike so many other people in the industry, David exited and he literally exited. He doesn't work. He bought a boat, went sailing, you know, went cruising, uh, unfortunately lost his wife, but met a new one and, and appears to be incredibly happy in life. David's just one of those guys that has it all figured out, has done so many right things. And most of it, those who know him will tell you it's because he cares and, and he always tries to do right by people. Very grateful guy. Um, very, you know, straight shooting guy. One of my, my favorite people ever to do business with in this industry. So, um, David now I think has traded in the boat for an RV and he's out cruising campgrounds everywhere. So, uh, he's on tour, but just in a slightly different way. Um, going with the sort of smaller regional touring company format, we then went and talked with Jeff Cranfill and, um, Jeff had some, has some incredible stories and really kind of grew up with Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, literally in business anyways. He, I think, did their first tour and since that time uh, has grown a, a rather large company um, with them remaining as a client right up until today. So just a huge success story. And we talked a little bit about guitars and cats as well with, with uh, Jeff. Um, one of the ones that I'm really proud of, and there's a funny story behind it that I'll tell you as well, is Eric Loader on his 50th birthday. So I had gone to Eric prior to his birthday, which was on April 24th, and uh, asked him to come on the show. And he said, nope, I'm not a geezer yet. When I'm a geezer, I'll come on the show. And Eric's definition of geezer was 50 years old. So um, Eric said that, uh, you know, after he turns 50, he'll come on the show. So I don't know, a week or so before his birthday, maybe it was even a few days before his birthday, I realized that his birthday was coming up uh, on a day that we would normally record our podcast, which is Wednesdays. And I said, Eric, I have this great idea. I want you to come on on your birthday. And, you know, it's a pretty big ask because let's face it, on your 50th birthday, most people have other things to do than to come on and spend an hour and a half talking to us. Um, but Eric said, yeah, that'd be fun. Let's do it. And I was blown away just by him accepting that uh, invite because again, there's, there's better things to do probably on your birthday, but we had a blast. We recorded about an hour and a half laughing, having a great time, telling some good stories. And Eric's just a really smart guy and such a pleasant guy. One of the nicest guys in the entire industry. Well, I needed to test that niceness because what happened is we finished recording and I looked at my screen and realized that the red record light wasn't blinking. And I hadn't shut it off, so why wasn't it blinking? And um, what had happened was at the front end of the recording, normally I hit record and then cut out whatever, um, you know, answering the phone and all the small talk at the beginning. I usually just cut that out after the fact. But this time what I had done is I had paused it and I forgot to restart it. And so we had just talked an hour and a half and we didn't record any of it. So what you end up hearing on this episode is a re-record. So what I said to Eric is I said, Eric, I, I don't even know how to tell you this, but I didn't get any of that. Anything that we just recorded, it's, it's all completely gone. I didn't get any of it. And he goes, oh, well, you want to do it again? 
And I was blown away because, again, here I am taking an hour and a half of his morning. Now I'm going to take another hour and a half of his morning. So we literally recorded it a second time and had a blast. It was a great episode. It's been downloaded tons and tons of times. Again, go back and hear it and, you know, chuckle at the fact that you know that this is the second recording of it in a row. We literally went to the bathroom, grabbed a coffee, and we recorded the whole thing again. So um, there you have it. The next week, March, oh, I'm sorry, that was in April. Eric's birthday was April 24th, May 1st. David Haskell of More Sound and Lighting. Um, And this was uh, our first ever audio discussion. So that was exciting because... Again, geezers of gear is meant to be all gear, not lighting gear. And so obviously with Henry and I both having a lengthy background in the lighting business, we tend to lean to lighting a little bit, but this one was our first audio recording. And David is just a super guy with some really cool stories. Very nice guy. Uh, I don't know what else to say except listening to this one. It's it's really good and, and loads of fun. Um, good friend of mine, The next week, May 8th, was Chaz Harrington, and we called it A Proper British Geezer. Chaz talks about his career and gear. And Chaz is one of these guys we talk about a lot, but in this industry, it's it's funny that a lot of times people don't go to school and don't study and don't plan for a career in this business, especially in the old days. Today, that's much more common where you do go to school and you do uh, expect to land in this business. But in the old days where Chaz comes from and where many of us come from, it, you just stumbled upon it. You were either in a band, you were a DJ in a nightclub, you were a mobile DJ, or you were just walking down the street and somebody goes, Hey, you want a gig? Jump in. And that kind of happened to Chaz. Chaz was looking for a job, didn't really know what he wanted to do. And his neighbor said, Hey, why don't you come down to the recording studio and wrap cables and get us coffee? And he did. And next thing you know, one thing leads to another and he's recording an album for Dire Straits. And then, of course, Dire Straits needs a lighting guy. And they say, well, you know, we've already got a front of house sound guy. But Chaz, we really like you. Why don't you come out and um, do our lighting on this tour? And uh, Chaz is like, "Okay," you know, and Chaz knew nothing about lighting at the time, had never done lighting. And really, the first gig he did was the first gig he did. So uh, Chaz went on to become a very good lighting designer, not not just with uh, with Dire Straits, but with Steve Miller and many other acts and uh, continues to run a successful lighting company, Zenith Lighting, today. Um, great guy. Good friend. That was episode 18. You can go back and listen to that, of course. Episode 19, this was an exciting one that was uh, just kind of came from out of left field that we were even able to talk to this guy. And it just happened right after the Motley Crue uh, movie on Netflix came out. So Doc McGee came on and we split it into two episodes because it was just a really long Uh, recording and actually we had to record it over two days because Doc was just so busy and he was getting ready to leave the country with Kiss for their quote final tour Um, which again there's not a lot of weight in final tours anymore or uh, you know goodbye tours farewell tours whatever you want to call them but um, but anyways Doc came on talked about everything you know his coming into the business how it all went but one of the questions we asked him was on the movie, Motley Crue uh, 
on the Motley Crue movie, they basically depicted the the end of their relationship with Doc as being because of him bringing Nikki Six's mother to one of their gigs. And Doc said, I never met Nikki's mother. I, that never happened. That's, you know, bullshit. It just didn't happen. The way it, the reason I got fired was because when we did the big Peace Russia gig, where you know every rock band at the time was on that gig and you know there's there's uh, a lot of documentaries and videos and stuff about it out there but um so motley Crue and bon jovi were both playing on this uh russia gig and um there was a strict rule that no no one was allowed to use pyro and doc managed both bon jovi and motley Crue. And so the gig happens and Motley Crue, no pyro. They were pissed off about it because pyro was a big part of their show. And then lo and behold, Bon Jovi comes out and they've got pyro. And so, of course, that made Motley very mad. They approached Doc. It turned into a pretty big argument and boom, he got fired. So that was how it happened. That's straight from the horse's mouth. He told some other really great stories as well, though. And, you know, Doc really is an icon in rock and roll management and this was just an incredible two episodes 19 and 20 if you haven't heard it go back and listen to it there's no artist manager in the past present or probably even future that will match this guy you know he managed motley bon jovi skid row um kiss uh all kinds of bands and one of the things about kiss and doc tells this story on the on the podcast as well is that Kiss came to him to manage them, and he said, no, 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 no. It, well, actually, what it was is he said, are you going to put the makeup back on? And they said, no, man, we're sick of that. That's the old us. This is us now. And he said, yeah, sorry, no thanks. And so they'd come back to him a while later and say, you know, Doc, we really want you to manage us. And he'd say, are you going to put the makeup back on? And they'd say, no. And so finally, they said, okay, we'll put the makeup back on, and um, Doc took over their management and manages them, manages them still today. So really, as successful as Kiss has been, Doc has really been instrumental in a better part of their career, uh, managing them and keeping them in all kinds of opportunities and money and et cetera. So brilliant guy, loved doing it, loved going back and listening to it still. Uh, and I recommend you go and listen to 19 and 20. Episode 21, another one, sort of a pinch me moment. Uh, Britannia Row is a sound company that was owned by Pink Floyd. And so back in the day, you know, what would happen is a band the size of Pink Floyd would be getting ready to go out on tour and they would realize that no one's got enough sound gear to let them tour. So they'd have to buy their own sound system. And so a lot of bands were doing this. A lot of bands were buying their own gear. And, but the problem was when you weren't, out touring, that gear was sitting, uh, costing you money because it was basically in storage. And so they came up with this idea to put that gear to work when they weren't touring. And so they started a sound company. And when Pink Floyd were not using the gear, it was out with other acts. And so Mike Lowe, uh, and, um, who else was it? Uh, <clears throat> I think it was Brian Grant and Robbie Williams, um, in, I don't know, the 80s, uh, or maybe it was, I don't know. It, it was sometime between, I think the company originally started in mid-70s and then sometime in the early 80s, uh, a group of new owners took over and Mike Lowe came in taking over at some point from Robbie Williams 
um, and has been an owner ever since. And they recently sold the company, but Mike still remains working and just had some incredible stories and some credible insight into how things were done back then, how it's different now, etc. Um, so episode 21, Mike Lowe and Britannia Rowe, uh, again, the company that was originally owned by Pink Floyd. Great episode. Um, Greg Brunklick from Clearwing. Again, I mean, I hate to keep saying the same thing over again, but super nice guy. Just an incredible guy. Incredible journey. Um, has built such a great company from the earliest beginnings where uh, he built his first sound system. And so many, again, when you're talking about companies that came up in the 70s, especially, or 80s, there weren't a lot of ready-made sound systems that you could go out and buy. You just built whatever you needed. And that happened a lot. And a lot of sound companies or manufacturers started out that way where they just built their own garage sound system. And then other people would say, hey, can you build me one? And next thing you know, they're in business. So um, another great episode. Greg is just a super guy. He's exiting the business here over the next couple of years, I think, as he's transferring it to his, his kids. And um, so I'm glad we were able to get him on while he was still working. <laughs> and uh, so one of the guys I love in this industry, a designer that I've always really appreciated and I've just liked the guy forever. And he happens to be the LD for, you know, the band I grew up worshiping. I was a bass player growing up in Canada. So who do you think I followed? Yes, Rush. And so Howard Ungerleider on episode 23 shared stories of 45 years with Rush. 45 years this guy worked for that band from, you know, the earliest days driving around in a in a van with the band going from club to club in freezing cold Canada to, you know, stadium shows uh, recently. And, you know, just really every gig they ever did, I think except for two or one, I don't remember that exact story, but he talks about it on the podcast. And you've got to hear the stolen horse story. To this day, one of the funniest things I've ever heard on our podcast. Henry and I were in stitches listening to it. But listen to episode 23, Howard Ungerleider. Um then we go into Infocom where we recorded a whole bunch of episodes in a couple of days. And this was the first time we did a trade show where we just went in and said, we're going to record as many as we can. And so I'm just going to quickly go through these. But um, Claudio Lestrucci, the founder of PowerSoft Audio, great guy, excellent episode. Frank Both, who's the CTO at DNB Audio Technic, which is an amazing line array uh, company out of Germany. Good guy, smart guy, and was great to talk to. Quano uh, Biviano, who's the founder and I believe CEO or president uh, of ULA Group in Australia, who has since become the Elation distributor over there as well. Um, loads of history in the industry. Really, really nice guy. Good friend of mine and was happy to talk with him. This one just kind of popped up out of nowhere. I took my five-minute walk of the trade show and I ran into... Uh, a friend, David Sullivan, who is with Pioneer Pro, I think it's called, or Pioneer DJ. And um, David and the guy with the best name I think I've ever heard in my life, his first name is Cohen, but his last name is Pussy Lea. I won't go any further, but 
that is an incredible name and just a really cool dude too. So they came on and talked about some really cool new technology based on sort of syncing sound and light together and uh, good episode to listen to. That's number 27. Good friend of mine and Henry's, but uh, you know, certainly a guy I stay in very close contact with, Griff Palmer, talking about his company, Disguise, what they're up to, but also talking about some of his past. And we even got into a little bit on, uh, Griff is another gentleman who is a recovered addict and really changed his life at that point. And uh, um, we talked a little bit about addiction and what that has meant to him and how important uh, getting out of that has been. Uh, we talked with Aaron Hubbard from Act Lighting. We talked a lot about you know some of the stuff going on with uh, their different lines, and and uh, Aaron shared some good stories with us. Ken Berger, the founder of EAW and now CEO of a company called View Audio Technic. Um, Ken again EAW. I mean, this guy's you know one of the the pioneers of our industry. Uh, as it relates to speaker box design and uh, was just really great to talk to and, you know, just felt like you were in the presence of royalty at that point. Um, so then the show's over and we are now in June and we get to talk to, uh, we, we made a habit of trying to reach out to people who are retiring and we kind of want to be sort of that last company they talk to or the last people they talk to on their way into retirement. And so Bob Shockrell announced that he was leaving Roby and retiring um, four decades in the lighting business, pretty much. And, uh, you know, really just a great talk. Again, Bob, one of the nicest guys you'll ever talk to. Bob is now uh, he's he'll tell you he's not retiring because he's starting. Uh, and I can't remember. It's something to do with like a health healthy living ranch or something. Um, but that was great. That was episode 32, 33, and 34. Um, one of the funniest, funniest, nicest guys is a guy named Pat Morrow, who was long time, long, long time tour manager, production manager for uh, Journey, but also worked with Michael Jackson, The Who, Dr. Hook, uh, loads of other bands. But just an amazing guy with unfriggin' believable stories. Had so much fun with him. He kept warning me about this Ainsley Dunbar story. And finally, we actually did a second episode, which was 34, to tell that story and to just kind of finish up some other details of his life. But just really a cool guy. And I had so much fun doing those two episodes. We both did actually. Well, Henry only did uh, 33. I did 34 on my own. Um, 35 is AED's CEO and founder, Glenn Rogeman. Uh, AED, if you don't know, is just an incredible company based out of Europe. Um, they do so many unique things. They're such an interesting company. If you are in the business and you are looking for direction or a bit lost or whatever, listen to this episode. Glenn is a pitch man. And so he's doing a lot of pitching on this episode, but just some really, really good information uh, was was given to us on this episode. And so I would suggest you listen to episode 35. Um, Light Switch is, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't really think I need to do any kind of an introduction to them, but, um, you know, just an amazing uh, design company and the partners came on 
and um, talked with us about uh, just you know what they're doing, where they're going, and one of the one of the great things for me that happened on that particular episode was that we talked about their um, their very unique model where they kind of put in a different CEO every year. And I say kind of, they put in a new CEO every year. So each year they kind of choose who's going to be the CEO for the next year. And what that does is it just keeps ideas fresh. It keeps direction kind of constantly evolving and it keeps it so that it doesn't become like a dictatorship where John Featherstone is, you know, just at the top of this thing or Norm Schwab is just at the top of this thing and everybody else has to listen to them. But John and Norm told some great stories, uh, had some great insight, really smart business guys and amazing lighting guys, obviously very, um, uh, you know, amazing lighting guys, great lighting guys. So, had some fun. Uh, we tried really hard to stay out of politics where we don't agree on everything, but uh, I think we dabbled in it a little bit. Um, episode 37, Steve Lieberman, one of the top guys in the EDM world, uh, amazing club designer, but um, just had some really cool insight as to you know lighting EDM and just his ways of doing things and um, a very enjoyable episode number 37. 38, John Broderick, talking about a very lengthy 30-year run with Metallica. I mean, a lot of LDs don't get asked back for a second tour with an artist, let alone 30 years. And really, John has been synonymous with that band for so long. And John is not only a nice guy, but an incredibly smart guy. John is a guy who, you know, could probably sit with an artist or philosopher and talk at their level for hours and not run out of things to discuss. And um, so sometimes when you're talking with John, you feel stupid because he's just so smart. And uh, but he makes it so easy. And John has been a big supporter of our show. He's constantly sending in messages to me saying, great episode, or you should have asked him this, or maybe you should get this guy on. Love that about him. And I appreciate all the support and keep listening, John. We'll get you back on soon. Uh, so that's episode 38. And, um, you know, Broderick is just a great guy. You got to listen to it. There's a few guys in this industry uh, that come to mind when you think of, you know, lighting account execs that are sort of at the top level. Um, certainly John Wiseman, who we've had on, uh, Mickey Kerbishley, who we'll talk about in a minute. Um, Creech, who we'll talk about in a minute. Who else? Uh, you know, there's, there's just a handful of those people. Robert Roth is one of them. And Robert Roth is a guy that if you've ever been at a trade show and sat at the bar, uh, late at night, you've probably heard some Robert Roth stories from Robert Roth. And um, just a guy that I've been really happy to be friends with for a long time. I did business with R.A. Roth before he sold to uh, PRG. Always enjoyed it. And um, again, amazing stories, fun guy, awesome guy. Listen to episode 39. You will not be disappointed. This one was unbelievable. I mean, so how it came about was Henry said, hey, I, I was just talking to someone at PV who wants to come on the podcast. He's like a VP of marketing or something. And I said, well, why don't you just get Hartley on? If we're going to get someone from PV, why don't we get Hartley PV on? And he goes, well, I'll ask. So Henry said, hey, would Hartley come on the podcast instead? And the guy goes, let me check and comes back to us and says, yeah, he'd love to. 
So, you know, for me, this was such a momentous thing because I grew up not only using PV equipment, my first bass amp was a PV amp. Uh, well, actually, my second one, I had a pile of junk before that, but I, you know, worked my way up to a PV amp. But I've had PV bases. I've had, I've been a PV dealer. I've, I've sold a lot of PV gear over the years. And so having Hartley on was not only a pinch me moment, but it was very educational as well because he's just a really, really smart guy. And he's been through hell and back with the company and with some of the changes that he's had to endure. And, you know, especially, I mean, one of the biggest things impacting the MI business, similarly to sound and lighting and everything else is this onslaught of, of Chinese product. And so Hartley survived that and thrived and, and continues to thrive. He's working his way out of work right now because he is, uh, you know, no longer of an age where he wants to keep working. Um, but he's still bright as can be very interesting to listen to really, really nice guy. Enjoyed it very much. Um, that's episode 40. Are you tired of me yet? Cause we got a few more to go. <laughs> so episode 41, Jim Brammer, CEO of special event services. Uh, and you know, again, just a really, really interesting guy who's really done things the way that he wanted to do things. Um, his company includes sound and lighting, uh, staging, mobile staging, trucking, buses, um, just all kinds of, he's got so many different aspects of special event services and he sort of sits atop all of it and just a really unique business model in that he brings in leaders for each of these different uh, sort of business entities and um, just, you know, he manages it at the top level and each one manages their own profit, profitable entity underneath and uh, was, was really a, an interesting uh, podcast for me because I'm a business guy and we talked a lot about the business of this business, not, not just, uh, you know, um, the artists or whatever. Um, number 42, this one was a very unique podcast for us. Eric Stewart talking about crowd management and safety and security at shows and he's an expert in it. He travels the world speaking on this and, and uh, working towards safer events. And um, it's a huge topic in our industry, especially after what happened in Las Vegas uh, last year. And so um, very, very enlightening topic and, uh, uh, you know, scary as hell. I mean, when he talks about some of the things that could happen or might happen or have been thwarted because they almost happened, very, very scary stuff. Episode 42. 43, two guys who were the original founders of um, TurboSound, and they now own a company called Function One, uh, which is like a big club and EDM speaker manufacturer. Again, these guys started TurboSound, I think, in the early 70s, and they were doing sound for, um, uh, you know, huge acts at the time. And, and again, they just created their own sound system and it became turbo sound and just hearing the perils and the ups and downs of business. And that was a great episode. I remember it well. Uh, we did a plaza preview on episode 44, September 11th, and also a bit of a nine 11 tribute, just kind of talking about where we were and what we were doing at the time. And, uh, so then on episode 45, Mickey Kerbishley, and so Mickey's dad, 
uh, Bill Kerbishley. So Mickey really grew up in the business, literally. Um, his dad was big time legendary manager and still is for The Who, uh, for Jimmy Page, for um, other artists. And so Mickey kind of grew up into the business, starting out selling T-shirts with ACDC and has created a massive career ever since then and uh, is now with um, Solotech. And so great guy, good stories, uh, including a very, very funny story about scuba diving with uh, John Wiseman in Australia. Um, episode 46, one of my favorite people in the business, Peter Morse, on a career that uh, started out as a, as a singer, uh, where he was uh, originally a backup singer, I think. Well, he was a folk singer, but then ended up with Mac Davis, um, where he was a tour manager and sometimes an opening act for Mac Davis, and then kind of bluffed his way into becoming the lighting designer uh, and touring lighting guy for Mac Davis. Said, oh yeah, I got loads of experience when he'd never done lighting before in his life. So um, obviously went on to a very successful career with Madonna, Michael Jackson, uh, Bette Midler, Barbra Streisand, et cetera, et cetera, long list. Uh, we did a best of replay on our best ever podcast, as I've mentioned many times, John Wiseman. And the bizarre thing is it got huge downloads the second time around as well. 48, this one was one that I had been trying to set up for several weeks prior um, with a very good friend who we almost lost this year. And I'm not saying that with, you know, with, with any lightheartedness or anything. I mean, that to me was, was, uh, you know, a pretty big thing. We almost lost Mr. Craig Burroughs this year to cancer and, uh, Craig kind of looked cancer in the face and said, F you. And, Craig's still with us today, thank God, and uh, he is cancer-free today, so he continues to monitor and work on that, and um, so we talked with Craig, and we talked about his battle and how he overcame the battle, and I suggest anybody, whether you know Craig or not, uh, listen to episode 48, because this was right on the tail end, as soon as he was well enough, really, to talk with us after his final surgery, getting just the final remaining bits of cancer out of his body, um, Craig came on and talked to us about that battle. So yeah, that was, that was a big one. Episode 48. Creech, we talked about him a little bit and Creech is just, again, one of that handful of guys that's out there who, um, you know, is, is just does a really great job taking care of his acts out on the road is, is just religious about taking care of those acts on the road. Um, but Creech, many people don't know this. And if you follow him on Facebook, you will know this, but Creech is an incredible underwater photographer as well. And he shoots tons of pictures of sharks specifically. And his shark pictures are like incredible. And I believe he sells them. I think they go into galleries and all kinds of things. So it's kind of a second career for Creech. And I think if it were up to Creech, it might even be his first career. But uh, lighting probably pays better. So um, great episode number 49. 50 was the founder of um stage line Yvonne Miron who I think was recently um recently awarded with a Parnelli award and I think it's visionary award um very much uh deserved I mean this guy just deciding basically why do stages need to sit still why can't they be mobile and going out and creating an industry that didn't exist. So very, very much a pioneer in, in the 
industry, but created a category that did not exist, mobile staging. And so incredible, great to talk to, uh, you know, great to listen to. And uh, I suggest if you have any interest in the staging business at all, or even just business, listening to this guy talk, he's, he's a smart guy. Episode 50, 51 is a guy we love and a really, really smart guy, um, Richard Kadena. So Richard is, um, you know, a, a guy who's involved in many, many aspects of our industry, all related to safety and technology and just technical, electrical stuff. Just really smart guy, talks over my head all the time. Um, Richard, again, is another very close friend of Geezers of Gear and is constantly texting or emailing me saying, hey, you should talk to so-and-so, you should talk to this guy. And um, so keep it up, Richard. We're going to have Richard on the show probably you know, many, many times over the next year and hopefully in the future as well. Um, remember back to what I was saying about Bob Shockroll with um, uh, the sort of retirement conversation. So Pio Nahum exited Clay Packy this year for the final time and entered retirement. And um, we got Pio on to uh, talk about his career, not only with Clay Packy, but also with other companies. And I didn't know, but he started with Michelin, uh, a tire company. That was sort of his first foray into business was with Michelin. Um, and then went on to a couple of stints with Clay Pack. He also worked for Martin for a number of years in between. But um, Pio is just, you know, another one of those super nice guys who, who did well and, and made it in our industry. Uh, was very instrumental to Clay Packy's success. Left the company because I think, it just didn't work out really well with Osram for him. He, he maybe didn't like the corporate side of things and it was time to kind of ride off into the sunset before he got bitter or angry. <laughs> so, um, great talk. Episode 52, 53, we talked with the founder of a company called IFWA and I apologize, but I forget what that stands for. Um, but IFWA has to do with, uh, finance and wellness for the arts and maybe that's what it is uh or what the the um is that called an acronym that's what the acronym stands for and um so the thing is basically they're teaching people how to save money how to create a financial structure for the future for both actors artists but also now people behind the scenes roadies lighting people sound people and they started mostly on broadway um, but now they're really venturing off into like our business, etc. So that was a cool talk. Um, this is, you know, probably among my top 10 for the year, uh, Nick Whitehouse from Fireplay. And again, a, a unique model that I happen to really love and a very, very successful model as well, working with Justin Timberlake, Lady Antebellum. He came over with, uh, he originally came over with Coldplay, um, but you know, since that time they've done so many artists as this sort of collaborative business, uh, but it's not really a collaborative. I don't think it's, it's a partnership. Um, but anyways, listen to it. Episode 54 with Nick Whitehouse from Fireplay. 55, uh, was when we started our, our LDI, uh, you know, mayhem where I think we recorded 10 episodes over three days. It was exhausting. It was super fun. And it started with another one of my favorite people in the business, Steve Warren from Avalites. Um, 
doesn't really need an introduction. I mean, you all know Steve Warren. The guy is fun. He's funny. He's interesting. He's unique. Uh, but he's also incredibly smart and hardworking and passionate and was a great talk. I learned some things not only about the company, but about Steve himself, including that uh, I believe it's his uncle was Colin Powell or is Colin Powell. Um, crazy. I had no idea. We then had Lee Stein, VP of Martin Audio, who have recently been sold. I think we talked about that last week. Uh, episode 57 was one that was personally amazing for me because we talked about a booth that I played a very big role in uh, at LDI 1995 with Martin that was designed by Peter Morse and um, his collaborative uh, effort with Chris Asen, who kind of pulled it all together. Um, that's episode 57 and that was recorded live on the Martin booth at LDI for the very first time ever we did that. That was crazy. Um, you know, I keep saying this, but another one of my favorite people in the industry. So you're walking through the aisles of LDI and somebody comes up and hands you what? Tick tock, tick tock. I know a lot of you are going to say a bag of coffee. And that is Robert, Robert Harmon, Bob Harmon from Eggshell. Uh, for years, he's been handing out Hawaiian coffee. He he carries around a roll uh, a roll on bag, and every time he runs into a friend, he stops, opens his bag, and hands you a bag of coffee. And this year was no exception. He showed up at our podcast with coffee for myself and Henry. So, uh, just an incredible guy, super nice guy. The fact that he's been wildly successful in Hawaii doesn't surprise me because he's just a good guy who takes care of people. Uh, episode fifty nine was. An amazing one. Uh, Jeff Ravitz, Tiffany Keys, and uh, Bob Barnhart, you know, three, arguably three icons in, in lighting live events for television. Um, and that was recorded live on the Martin booth as well. And again, I just learned a ton. Uh, I respect these people so much. So sitting talking with them was incredible. It's been a highly downloaded podcast, and I suggest you listen to it if you have any interest in, you know, live events for television, which have all kinds of unique wrinkles and, and needs that maybe other types of lighting of live events wouldn't have. So um, episode 60, Yvonne Pierre from Ayrton. I love this guy. I love this company. I love his passion towards racing, but also towards product design, product development, Um He's just one of these guys that's super passionate that everything has to be right. Everything has to be a certain way. And it's a real racing mentality. And one of the things that came through in this episode number 60 with Yvonne was that when Ayrton Senna, so for those of you who don't know this, Ayrton Lighting is named after the arguably the greatest racing driver ever to live, which was Ayrton Senna. And he died uh, in Italy in a race. And, um, when he died, uh, Ivan said that he took a week off of work because he couldn't cope with it. He couldn't work. He couldn't get out of bed. He, he was in full-on depression when, when uh, Ayrton, Ayrton Senna died. So I'm a fan of racing, a big fan of racing, but nothing like this guy. And so it was a super interesting podcast and a nice guy sold his company to a big Chinese company. They're doing amazing work. They're creating incredible lights. You wouldn't know it's Chinese product. I thought it was still produced in, in Europe, to be honest. I had no idea that it was uh, made in China, but this is very much product that's developed by European engineers and made in China. 
and you you wouldn't know any different. The quality is just unbelievable of their products, and they're distributed by ACT, and ACT has done an amazing job getting that product onto some massive shows here in uh, in North America, so good on all of them. It's one of sort of my pet favorite lines is uh, Ayrton. Episode 61, Blizzard Lighting, a company I didn't know a lot about. I do know Frank Lapino. I've known Frank Lapino Jr. for a long time. Uh, when I first moved to the United States to work for a company in Chicago, Frank was our rep for a number of lines, and I got to know him. That was 1991. Uh, so I've known him since then. And uh, so it was great to hear his story of, of this company that he's now uh, running the sales team and he's a partner in. Um, called Blizzard Lighting. And, uh, you know, just sounds like a great company. They're doing really well. I love some of their philosophies that they have. And uh, it was really, it was started by a guitar player who just wanted better lighting. And so he started a company and lo and behold, here they are. They're, they're a big player in the business. Um, Udo Kunzler from GLP, another really cool company designed on innovation. Uh, just some really great ideas, very, very passionate engineer, and um, just a great story, great podcast. Listen to episode 62. 63, this is, uh, I think, actually, officially the number two downloaded podcast behind Wiseman right now for some reason. So I think it's because uh, he has a huge family and he sent it to all of his cousins and aunts and uncles. But Patrick Dearson with uh, his company called The Activity. And the topic was the business of design versus the art of design, which ended up being a rather controversial topic because um, most designers will tell you, I do it all for the art. But Patrick kind of says, you know, art plays a role, but without business, there is no art. And so business comes first. And, um, in this particular episode, number 63, Patrick talked about some stuff that not only we didn't know, but I've received emails and texts from people saying, was that bullshit or was that real? Patrick was doing raves and part of his role was to collect money for the mob. And uh, so he got involved in some really crazy stuff. And then there's this secret military thing that he wouldn't tell us much about. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a secret. And uh, so some crazy stuff came out in this podcast. And at one point, we, we had uh, kidnapped Greg Jones from Martin because this one, again, was recorded live on the Martin stand. And Greg was just kind of standing around listening. And so we said, Greg, get over here. And he grabbed a microphone and set of headphones. And uh, he came on and talked with us. And so the first five or six minutes of the podcast was Henry and Patrick geeking out on guns because they're both gun guys. And... Um, at one point, uh, Greg pipes in and says, excuse me, am I on the geezers of guns or geezers of gear? And uh, so that was kind of funny, but it was just a super, super fun episode, was really well received, got huge grades from people, lots and lots of comments and uh, attaboys and that kind of thing. So episode 63, loads of fun, listen to it. Can't wait to have Patrick on again. The guy is just a a very charismatic, fun person. Most people know him. You'll know that I'm telling the truth about that. Um, episode 64, just a few weeks ago, December 4th, LD Steve Owens, who's been with many bands, um, years and years with uh, uh, Ario Speedwagon, um, 
just a great guy. Came up through Verilite, I think, if I remember correctly. Some great stories. Uh, that's episode 64. Listen to Steve Owens. Nils, Nils Thorgeson is a guy who, um, you know, I can tell you that starting one successful brand, one successful business is like a gift. It's something that many people never do. It's so hard to do, but doing it twice or three times like Nils has is just kind of an unbelievable uh thing. You know, it, it just doesn't happen to very many people, let's say. So Nils was one of the co-founders of Flying Pig Systems, which brought out the original whole hog and then the super uber successful hog two, which dominated the, the control business for so many years um, and then sold out to high end systems went on to develop a new company called Element Labs, which became wildly successful very quickly with, uh, you know, their initial product launch was the VersaTube, which, you know, again, one of those super easy products that you just look at and go, that's really never been created before. Nobody did that before. Like, wow, such a simple product, but so cool and so useful and so versatile and are still around in other forms today from other companies, but that was the first product. Then they had the first sort of transparent, uh, video screen and, uh, you know, just lots of cool stuff. And now he's doing verge arrow, which is drone shows. And if you were at LDI and you saw that drone show that was brought on by Nils company called verge arrow and, you know, just a brilliant guy, both from a technology standpoint, but also just, you know, finding opportunities and, and figuring out how to execute on those opportunities quickly and take advantage of, you know, timing and time to market and all of those types of things. So, and again, just happens to be a super nice guy. So that was a fun, fun discussion. And then last but not least, Ola Melzig. So this guy's a trip and, um, his whole sort of, uh, motto that guides his life is the world never remembers a coward. In other words, you know, if you don't try something, you're going to be forgotten. And so be bold, be brave, do cool things, and you'll be remembered. And so he's certainly remembered in that he has created some of the largest single event uh, live events that have ever been um, broadcast. And these are all through Eurovision. So since 2000, Ola has been the, um, and I hate to miss quote his title, but production manager, production director, head of production, whatever it's called, but he's been responsible for the production of these shows for Eurovision and has just announced that he's left Eurovision and is creating an American version uh, for North and South America of that contest where you know, different states will compete and then will ultimately go for the national title or the America's title once they get South America involved and stuff. So that is going to be really, really interesting. And that's going to start, I believe it was 2021 in November of 2021. So I look forward to seeing what Olga, uh, Olga, sorry, what Ola can pull off on that one. And um, yeah, so that brings us to today, episode 67. It has been quite a year. It has been amazing. I'm super grateful for the sponsors that I mentioned earlier, PRG, Elation, Row Visual, Act Lighting, Harman slash Martin Lighting, and of course, GearSource, the company behind all of this. 
and uh, even more grateful for all of the guests that I've just mentioned, each and every one of you, many of whom I expect to have back on in 2020. And um, yeah, I mean, what more can I say? I am grateful. We started a podcast not knowing what the heck this was going to be. We've invested all kinds of time and energy and heart and soul into it. And here we are. We've got arguably, you know, a, a pretty darn successful podcast in the entertainment business, uh, sound, lighting, video, concerts, especially events. And uh, so I'm grateful. I'm grateful to each and every one of you who has been on our show, who has supported our show, who has sponsored our show, but most of all, the people who have listened to it and made it relevant and keep it up. I appreciate you very much. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, etc. And I look forward to talking with you again very, very, very soon. Sweet, sweet child